And I always count on my wife to find a hymn about Jesus' soon return. And uh, that's, a, uh, that's a theme that she likes and is brought with her from her church in Poland. Looking forward uh, today to getting back into Philippians. We'll be in Philippians chapter 4. And uh, made it to the last chapter. Uh, we're here in, in chapter 4. This really is uh, the beginning, the transition to the, the closing remarks in this book. And um, still a lot of content ahead, but uh, Paul has uh, long closings. It's a whole chapter, but uh, looking forward to uh, going through this together with you as, um, as I have been studying ahead. It's certainly been a blessing. We've, uh, we've looked together at this topic of a, a believer, and in particular mature believers, joy in Christ and where that comes from. And uh, along the way, at the beginning of chapter 3, we talked about how um, you hang on to that joy, right? how you keep that joy, and um, what it looks like starting a, a life of rejoicing in the Lord. And then we, we moved on to really continuing in that life of a believer and continuing a life of rejoicing. And um, we, we looked at that together, and, and we have really went through... Um, four messages through that section together. And now we're, we're coming to the closing. And maybe we could say it this way. This closing is where we take the concepts and things that we learned before and see them applied to specific life situations. And, and so this is still about rejoicing in the Lord. It's still about continuing in that. Uh, but what we're going to do is apply rejoicing in the Lord to the situations of life and, um, and in particular what, what they were facing in Philippi and then we'll consider it in light of where we are today. All right, so with that, uh, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at the first three verses today. And so beginning in verse 1, Philippians 4, verse 1, um, and uh, title the message is Standing Firm in Unity. Verse 1 says the following, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they may be of the same mind in the Lord. And I, and I instruct, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage today and, and the, the challenge that, is, that is, is put before us as we uh, seek to consider a life of rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of, of a time of, uh, of interpersonal conflict within the church. Father, we, we pray that uh, you would continue to provide unity. We pray that as a church, we would remain steadfast in unity. And Lord, that you would uh, just unite our hearts as we seek individually to move toward Christ-likeness, and that we would demonstrate Christ-likeness to one another. Father, we, we pray that, that today uh, we, would be a day when, when we would examine uh, ourselves and, and what, um, what, what may be um, an opportunity even for reconciliation 
if we have something that, that we're not willing to let go uh, in regard to another brother. Father, we pray that you would help us to have boldness to take the steps that you have called us to uh, today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, as we uh, look at this, this section, and, and um, as I mentioned before, the uh, title here is, is uh, um, I'll pull it up for you, Standing Firm in Unity, Standing Firm in Unity. And we see in, um, in verse 1 this, this idea of, of standing firm. This is what they are being, being called uh, to at this time. And, and so verse 1, therefore my brothers, so who are these? These are the believers, right? The believers in Philippi. And uh, you, you may notice this, but even the tone of the letter uh, becomes even a little bit more personal. We've been through sections before where, where Paul is personal about himself. Uh, but, but the way that he writes to these believers in Philippi, uh, he has an intimate knowledge with, of, of this church. He, he knows these folks. Um, he has served with these folks. He has labored with these folks. He loves these folks. And, and so as, as he writes them, therefore my brethren dearly beloved and longed for. I mean, that's, that, is a, that is a term of endearment, uh, even beyond what we, we typically see. And as he goes on, my joy and crowned. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Once again at the end. And so, in essence, we could say that Paul is making it clear at the very beginning here, I love you. I care about you. You matter to me. And he's about to go into a hard topic, right? He's about to move into a topic. Now, he encourages them here and really, this is the time when he starts giving exhortation. He starts telling them what to do, so to speak. Um, previously in the letter, we have, we have looked at places where Paul has written, and he has talked about um, what a life of rejoicing looks like, or encourage you in these areas, and, and all of these things. Now he's moving into a place where Paul is starting to kind of give the direct <laughs> list, so to speak, right? The exhortations. You need to do this type stuff. And so it's, it's a different level here that, that he is providing for them. And, and the first exhortation there is to stand fast in the Lord. This, um, this change in, in, um, in instruction is based on the fact that they are dear friends, right? He, he can... He has this relationship that he can stand on as he offers this exhortation and instruction. And so in, in this case, we move from, um, from a chance where, where Paul is now uh, addressing those in Philippi um, on, on the basis of a personal relationship and friendship. And so as, as, he, as he calls that out, he is urging them to, to steadfastness. The idea here might be um, um, almost like uh, the think of Roman soldiers, think of a military type thing, and, and imagine them all lined up, shields together, 
holding the line, right? That's, that's kind of the idea. You, you know, everybody lined up together, holding the line, not letting anybody through. That's, that's the concept of, of standing fast in unity here. That's, that, that's what he is calling for this church to do, to, to, be, to be a place that, that truly is together, united, and, and not allowing the enemy to get in. Um, as, we, as we think about uh, the whole goal is that this is a church that would be working together, united to accomplish the will of God. And so they're to stand firm. They're supposed to stand fast in, in, in unity. But now he's going to give them instructions on specific areas where they need to do this. And, and in particular, uh, he's going to start meddling in the lives of some in individuals here. And so I've called this stand firm in personal unity. You say, what, what exactly does that mean? Well, Talking about personal relationships between church members, one-on-one -on -one relationships, because as a body, as a body, we have individual relationships with one another, and and there's a sense in which our unity altogether is dependent upon our individual relationships with one another. Each of those individual relationships and how we love one another, how we encourage one another, how we edify one another, how we speak to one another, <laughs> all of those things have an impact on the unity of the whole. And so the exhortation here is to this, these relationships um, between two people. Now, list here. First one is Euodius. Second, Syntyche. And so he, he says, I, I beseech, I, I beg, I ask that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, this is, this is the first address of a problem of unity that's going on, an issue that has come up with the church. And, and we have kind of had little hints that there's something going on uh, along the way, just in the way that, that Paul has written these things. And so we, we have, as we've progressed through the book at various times, talked about our relationships with one another. Um, and, and so Paul has already been setting up and giving instruction uh, in, in regard to, to the problem and the issue at hand. It, it's interesting, as, as we think about, about these two believers and... Um, they are, they are both women, we know that, and they have some sort of dispute going on. Um, and so, so who are they? Well, we don't know a great deal, but um, as we, as we uh, think about their relationship, uh, Paul describes them in, in positive ways. He talks about them in, in positive ways. And, and so... There's something going on. These two, two ladies are at odds with one another. Um, it, it seems to be a disagreement that is lasting. Paul knows about it in Rome, and so others know about it as well. And it seems that maybe even it could have the potential of harming the church or splitting the church. And, um, and so it, it's, it's, a, it's a, an issue 
And yet at the same time, Paul addresses it in a way where he doesn't bring up the issue or give the answer. You see what I'm saying? He, he, he says, uh, I want them to be of the same mind in the, in the Lord. Now, he, he could have, as an apostle, said, just use the red carpet and be quiet about it. I mean, he could have, he could have just done that, right? I mean, he could, have, he could have given them the answer to whatever they were feuding over. Um, and and he, could, he could have done it, but he didn't, right? right? He didn't. And he didn't pick a side. He said, you're, you're, you're believers, and I want you to work this out. And so as, as we, we think about that, he, he uses this beseech, this, this pleading term, twice here. I, I beseech Euodius, personal to you. I am begging you, Euodius, and beseech Syntyche. I am begging you, Syntyche. And, and so he, he personalizes it and, and addresses them, each one individually, in turn, and it, it really calls to, to mind the, the fact that he has a personal interest in this matter, and he loves and cares for both of them, and he's not giving them the answer to the problem. He wants them to, what it says here, they be of the same mind. Literally, that's agree. He wants them to agree in the Lord. He, he wants them to, to uh, these women who are mature believers in the faith, those who have served and, and been an example, to come to uh, agreement on this issue. So uh, let's go through just a few things um, that remind us of dealing with this personal Conflict. How do we att attain personal unity with one another? And, and Philippians 3.8 reminds us to keep the main thing the main thing, right? Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And, and so the, the main thing is Christ, right? And this knowledge and this relationship with Christ. And as we're talking about these dispute, this dispute that was going on between these two ladies, a couple things we, we know about it. It must not have been doctrinal, because Paul didn't set straight an error, right? No, if it had been doctrinal, I think we can be pretty confident in saying Paul would have addressed the error and set it straight. Uh, it seems to be more preferential in nature, and part of this letter reminds us of, of our high calling that, that we count all things but loss, but the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. What is this? Keep the main thing the main thing, right? Keep the, keep the focus on Jesus where it belongs and, and not on our personal preferences in these areas. Now, as we, as we think uh, about, about where this is taking place, remember the end of chapter 3, back in verse 20, for our, our conversation, our citizenship, literally citizenship, is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes on, who, who, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he's able even to subdue all things unto himself. This is a reminder at the end of chapter 3, right before we come to this, that we are citizens of heaven, and we're citizens of heaven first. 
right? We are citizens of heaven. And, and that means that we're going to spend eternity with our fellow believers, right? We're, we're going to spend eternity. And so when, when we're down here and we have a little bickering or a little dispute or, or whatever it is, right? That person that you're kind of upset with at the moment, you're going to spend eternity with them as a citizen of heaven. And, the, you know, I, I know the day is coming, sin will be gone and all of that, right? It'll be a little easier to live with one another. But, but we, we have to start the practice now of preparing for what is yet to come. And, and so when, when we see that fellow believer, uh, we, we literally may be looking at our neighbor, so to speak, right? I, I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? We, we, we are talking about somebody that we are going to spend eternity with worshiping God. And so when we see them, it shouldn't be, oh yeah, that's the, that's the person who may be mad about you know, this or whatever. You know, that shouldn't be our first thought when we come to that person over and over again. It ought to be one that's higher than that. It ought to be one that, that truly does recognize our citizenship is, is in heaven. It ought to be one where, where we are considering that day where we both will have that glorious body and, and, and we truly will be under the, the, um, uh, under the Lord's uh, direction as we, after we have been glorified and we will serve him as he has called us to. And so with, with that in mind, that, that ought to change the way that we, we talk to one another, the way that we look at one another, the way that we consider one another. You know, even in Philippians, we had some instruction already um, that perhaps we could even use to the issue at hand in regard to this dispute with Iodius and, and Syntyche. And some have even suggested that this may have been written uh, for that purpose, for, for their, their need there. So Philippians 2, verse 1, and uh, just kind of imagine that this is to Iodius and Syntyche. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, verse 2, fulfill ye my joy, Eodius and Syntyche, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of, of one mind. Verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves, Euodius and Syntyche. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others, Euodius and Syntyche. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Right? This, this instruction is one that, that directly addresses this issue and conversation of of personal unity, personal relationships, and, and maintaining unity within those. And, and at the, the heart of this often comes, you, you know, as, as we seek out the mind of Christ, a willingness on our own part to put our own preferences and, and desires on things underneath the, uh, underneath the will of Jesus, underneath his direction. You know, as we think about the example that Christ gave us, and, and it appears um, right after this in verse 6, 
who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. What, what is that? Humility. That's humility, right? That, that's what Jesus demonstrated there. He, he demonstrated great humility. Willing to, to leave heaven, willing to make himself no reputation. He, he was willing to take on the form of a servant. Jesus is, is humble. And, and as we think about what he went through for us, we, we, we need to think about how we are responsible for modeling that example. And so in humility, we need to be willing to take our personal desires, our personal wants, and say, hey, that, that's, that's far less important than what Jesus wants. That's far less important than what, what he would have. And so what, what, does that, uh, what does that look like? What does that, what does that mean between two people? Uh, does it mean, okay, I have to always give up my way, I never get my way? <laughs> you know what I mean? People just walk all over. That, that's not what this is saying, right? But at the same time, it's saying keep the main thing the main thing, right? We, we, we can share our desires. We can share our preferences. That, nothing wrong with that, right? But, but when it comes to an issue that's preparing to split a church, hey, my preference isn't that important. You understand what I'm saying? When it comes to an issue in which I will harm a fellow believer in order to get my way, my preference is not that important. It's not that big a deal. And so, what is that? That's humility, right? That's a willingness to give up our own way. Um, as, we, as we look at the description that, that Paul gave uh, for, for these women in, in just a moment. But, but they truly are fellow workers. Truly are folks who love the Lord. You think folks who love the Lord can split a church? You better believe they can. You better believe they can. And I'm, I'm not saying they're right as they're doing it, right? But, but uh, believers can stand and split a church. Believers can do that. People we've labored with, can get so uptight over an issue or a topic. To, today, we, we, um, in, in Sunday school, we, we considered some of these areas that are part of, of worship wars and different topics. And sometimes those things are, are a matter of preference on issues, right? They can be a matter of preference. And churches have split over matters of preference over various issues, right? It, it, it's happened. As we, as we think about our role and, and our love for one another, I think it's essential that we are willing to keep the main thing the main thing, right? And again, this, this was not an issue of doctrine. We're, we're not talking about doctrine here. Um, we're talking about personal preference. We've got to be willing to lay aside our personal preference. So... Philippians 4, verse 3, uh, looking back to our text, this, this next part here, um, says, says the following, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my other fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Now we're going to look at that more, but, but here's the question. Two believers who love the Lord, who have 
are, are worthy of, of pretty high praise here um, from Paul, who are in disagreement with one another. What do you do? How, how do you solve the issue? Well, remember back in verse 2, he beseeched them to be of the same mind. And let's look at a place like Luke 17.3. Right, Luke 17.3, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. Uh, it goes on. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent. Thou shalt forgive him. Right? So, um, so for example, um, let's take a situation where somebody maybe has, has sinned against you. Right? They've, they've done something that has caused an offense. And the, the, the question is, is brought up, how do we deal with that? Right? How, how do we deal with that? And maybe it's over a preference, maybe it's over some other issue, maybe they, they truly got mad and did something, right? You know, maybe maybe it, it is a true offense. Maybe it was something that was unintentional, right? That, that caused hurt feelings or upset. Regardless of what it is, if there is a break in the relationship, right, if there is a challenge in the relationship, then, can I say this, it's both parties' responsibility to mend the relationship, okay, it's both parties' responsibility to mend the relationship. So, as we, as we see, um, See, the example, right? Normally, we think about our responsibility, if we have offended somebody, to go to them and ask their forgiveness, right? That, that is the typical example of what we think of. This is actually saying the other in verse 3, thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. You, you, if you're the offended party, you go to the other one. So, so scripture dictates both aspects here, right? Either the offender runs to the other one, or the one who has been offended runs to the other one. Ideally, both are praying and asking for the Lord's help, and they wind up running into each other right in the middle, right? I mean, that's the ideal situation. Um, and and it, it, it says here, uh, if he trespassed, so he, he sinned against you, he did a wrong, he cre uh, caused an offense, then you are to rebuke him. Now, now rebuke, we hear that term. Uh, re rebuke in this instance is not saying you just go off and let them have it. Right? That, that is not what this verse is saying. With humility, we talk and ask questions and bring up the issue. And we point out the harm that was done to us or the harm that we saw. And we let them know about that. And so, so maybe, maybe we say something like, uh, we don't have a Fred in here. I'll take Fred, right? Maybe we pick something. We, we say, you know, Fred, the, the other day when we were talking, and uh, as part of that conversation, uh, you, you, you said to me, um, you know, why, why are your shoes so, so ugly? Right? as part of that conversation. And I, and, and I know that maybe, maybe you didn't mean it that way or, or, or were joking, uh, but, but it really hurt my feelings when you said that, and it, and it bothered me. And, and it just doesn't seem like a nice thing to say. And, and I don't want there to be any, anything between us. 
You know, I don't want my life to be, oh, there's Freddie, doesn't like my shoes every time I see you, you know. I, I, I want us to realize that we're going to spend eternity together and, and that we have a, start having a, such a close relationship right now that, that there is nothing between us whatsoever. And, and, and so that's why I'm bringing it up to you. And, and so I, I'm asking, uh, because this, this did offend me, um, I'm, I'm asking you to, to ask my forgiveness in, in this area and recognize it as a wrong. What's Fred say? Well, hopefully, he repents. You forgive him. Oh, man, I didn't mean to say that. Would you forgive me? I, I, I was just joking, right? You, you know what I mean? I, I, didn't, I didn't really... I, I like your shoes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it, just make it clear. And, and then it's not there. You say, well, well Pastor, that's, that's awful silly. I mean, that, talking about somebody not liking your shoes or whatever. Well, this applies to more serious offenses, too. Now, also, you don't have to go to the other person for every offense. right? You don't have to go to the other person. So, so if, if Fred's offense against me is going to cause me, every time that I see him, to say, uh, that's the guy who doesn't like my shoes, right? and that's my thought, that's my mindset with Fred, uh, then I need to deal with that. If, if I'm willing to let love cover it, that means I say, well, I know Fred. And it, w- it was probably wasn't the best thing to say. But I'm just going to let it go. We're just going to let love cover it. And I don't think about it anymore. And I don't bring it up. And every time I say, see Fred, I'm not thinking about my shoes. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Love truly covers it and it's gone. It's not separating us anymore. If that's the case, that's fine, Right? Love can cover a multitude of sins. But if that sin's not going away and you're not able to deal with it, then you need to go and talk to the, the offending party. Right? So, all right, so we, we, we know, and, and the end of this, of course, reminds us that we, ought, we need to be ready to forgive. Right? We always need to be ready to forgive. Okay, so, so if somebody comes and asks us forgiveness because, um, because of the sin that they committed, we, our responsibility in our hearts is to prepare to be ready to forgive the other person when they ask. And so this is the one-on-one process here, right? This, this is the be of the same mind. But what happens if you can't solve it, right? What happens if you can't solve the issue? The, the two can't get on the same mind with one another. And this is where we stand for him in corporate unity, as a body, as a whole. This is when other believers get involved. Now, in this case with Iodius and Syntyche, Paul's kind of saying, hey, this is, this is your chance, right? This is your chance to deal with this together. Because obviously, Paul is, is already involved. And, and I, I can tell you as, as a pastor, um, at times, I will get in your business. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be, be honest. I will get in your business sometimes, right? And I will meddle. Why? Because I think that's the responsibility of the pastor. I, I think it's part of looking after shepherding sheep, so to speak, right? Uh, I, I am not, I, I am not and, and would not want to be 
the hands-off pastor, oh, they'll take care of it. You know, you know, okay, that, that's not me. I will meddle. I will get in your business. And, and, and so why? Because we have a responsibility to maintain unity within the body, and, and I'll try to do it. You know, if, if somebody says something publicly that I think is offensive, I'll go to them. Right? I'll, I'll go to them and talk to them about it. We've got to deal with it. Right? We've got to deal with the issue. Somebody offends somebody else and it becomes, you know, public knowledge. Hey, you guys need to get together and work this out, right? You, you know, you, you go and you have those conversations. You don't run from it. And, and, and so I will meddle in your business. Why? Because we're part of the body of Christ. And in fact, as verse 3 says here, um, sometimes you need some extra help. And I entreat thee also, true fe- yoke fellow, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. What's this? Help these two ladies who are disputing get over their dispute. If if they're not solving it on their own, others come in and come alongside and, and help in the process. This is very counter to how we do things today, right? I, I would say perhaps we are more isolated than ever before, um, at least in recent years, um, here in, in our country. Um, we don't like people to know our business, right? We, we close our windows. We lock our doors. <laughs> we, we don't let just anybody in. You don't, you don't all have the party line down the, the road where everybody gets on there and listens to everybody's gossip. You know, that, that kind of stuff isn't going on anymore. Uh, and, and people remain private. Sure, I mean, people post things on Facebook, but, but let's be honest, they, they don't post the, the, the bad stuff, right? You, you know what I mean? We, we project an image publicly that often is different than what is going on in life privately. And, and so when... when when somebody talks about this, somebody coming alongside to help us with our problems, uh, that is an unusual thing for us, and, and I think perhaps an uncomfortable thing for us. And yet it's a biblical thing, right? It is a biblical thing. Someone to come alongside to help in reconciliation between two parties who, who for, for whatever reason, are at odds with one another are not at the same mind. This is, this is an example where, right, not a moral dispute, not, not a theological heresy, none of that, but there is sincerely a disagreement that is causing issues and disunity in, in this process. And Paul says we, we need to help them. Why, why do we need to help them? Well, first of all, they're, they're yoke fellow, they're, they're fellow Christians. Right? We, we come alongside brothers and sisters in Christ and help them. You know, there is, um, there is great confidence in regard to Iodius and Syntyche's salvation here. Paul, Paul doesn't sit, even, even have a hint of doubt about their salvation. Right? These are true yoke fellows. They really are one of us. They're believers and so we, we need to help them. So secondly, not only that, the, these are people who have a history of laboring for Christ. They truly have worked alongside us. They also help 
uh, Clement as well, Clement as well, and, and other people as well. And, and so knowing that history, he, he is putting out there, hey, we, we, need to help. we need to help these two in their hour of need. We have a responsibility here. You know, as we, as we consider what's going on, and perhaps we, we think of an issue where this, this is an unresolved conflict, um, at some point this truly does move into the, the, the frame of becoming a, a sin issue in regard to disunity with the brother. Matthew 18 describes the process, thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But what's the, the next step? If he'll not hear thee, take with thee one or two more. The mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Right? Have somebody else come along. Have somebody else come alongside. Now, in this case, right, we're, it doesn't seem that we're dealing with a wrong party and a right party or anything like that. But, but in the process, how do we get Christ being the main thing, this preference issue coming under that, and work together to a resolution? And if one can't do it, then you bring in two along the way. If, if it can't be solved then, what do you do? You go to the church, right? You go to the church. And it, it, this is kind of like the, the last step, right? This is, where, this is where you don't want to get. You, you want the issue already resolved. But, but somebody who is so set on whatever it is, their, their sin perhaps causing disunity in the church, that they are unwilling to give an inch, it, it describes the process here of actually removing them from the church. Now, I want to be clear here. This is last resort, long time, down the road, and you have actually a requirement all the way at each step, and it's at the beginning of verse 17, if he shall neglect to hear them. So that doesn't mean you just go and, and say, uh, well, they, they said no this time. Right? If they're still open to listen, you go back. You have multiple conversations. This is a long process. You allow the Holy Spirit to work. But, but as, you, as you think about this process, right, this is, this is one in which we love one another. And what is it? This is remaining steadfast in unity. That's, that's what this is about. This is about helping brothers and sisters in Christ get along. All right, so Matthew 5 did, and I uh, want, to, want to bring this up. What happens if you are preparing to worship the Lord and you remember that you have something against somebody else? There's some issue there. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, maybe you've offended somebody, 24, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. What's the idea? Something has happened. There, there is something that has happened that has caused an offense against a brother and sister in Christ. And, and you come into church, you sit down, and you're preparing for the service to worship the Lord, and... The Holy Spirit brings it to your mind. Hey, I've, I've sinned against Fred, right? Or Fred has sinned against me. 
And there he is right there, the guy who doesn't like my shoes, and it's bothering me in the midst of the church service. Well, what do you do? You get up and you walk over to Fred. And you say, hey, Fred, could, could we step out for just a minute and talk? Can we go talk in one of the rooms? And Fred says, well, man, we're right in the middle of the service. I, I, I know, Fred, but I think it would be more pleasing to Jesus if we stepped out right now to talk. Uh, would you do that with me? Right? And what happens? You, you go and you talk. And you talk about the issue and you share the issue. Right? The, 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 this is not saying, okay, well, let's say it goes badly and Fred doesn't forgive you. Right? This doesn't mean that you can't worship again until it gets worked. You, you know what I'm saying? This doesn't mean you can never be back in church until <laughs> you make the attempt, right? Whether they forgive you or not, you make the attempt. And as much as it depends on you, you've done what's right before the Lord. So if you follow there? You, you are right in your attempt before the Lord to do what he's called you to do. And then you go worship God freely. Right? Now that, that process has to continue according to the scriptural outline. But that's the process that takes place. Why is this so important? These are brothers and sisters in Christ, folks we're going to spend eternity with, those who Jesus loves, those who we should love as well, just as passionately, that, that we care about one another. And we don't desire anything to be between us and God. I, I, I would describe it this way. You know, when, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, one of the things that, that happened was the opportunity to have fellowship through Jesus with God the Father, right? Jesus as the mediator. To, to truly be able to go through our mediator, Jesus Christ, and, and talk to God the Father. That's, that, that's one of the, the amazing things about salvation. That God accepts what we say on the basis of the, of the sacrifice of Christ. That, that truly the relationship all the way back from the garden with Adam and Eve is in the process of being restored. It's incredible to think about it. And in the process, God our Father makes known the fact that we also have brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of the family of God. And God the Father doesn't want brothers and sisters in Christ fighting one another rather than worshiping him. He doesn't want brothers and sisters in Christ to be fighting one another rather than seeking to bring the lost to him, to point them towards salvation. See, when it, when it comes to this idea of unity, it's not just a small matter. It's not, it's not the, ah, uh, yeah, I don't like that guy, but the other 15 are okay. <laughs> That's not, it's not a small matter. All the relationships matter. Every brother and sister matters. And so we should strive 
as much as it depends on us, to be at peace with all men. That's what God has called us to. Well, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the, the challenge that, that you have, have set before us in your word today. And Father, we thank you for uh, just the example of Paul as he models Christian maturity for us and what it looks like. Lord, we ask that today you would point out any area where we have unresolved conflict or sin with another person. Father, I pray that we first would make that right with you if it's a sin issue involved. Father, I, I pray that in humility, any conflict, any issue, any problem might be resolved between fellow believers. Father, I pray that if the issue is not resolved between two, that, that there would be the humility to involve other brothers and sisters in Christ with the goal of reconciliation. Father, I pray that our hearts would be focused on the main thing, our relationship with you and, and, and the glory of God. Father, that, that we would not either put personal pride or desire for privacy or, or other things that we have made so important today. Rather, that, that we would truly seek to follow the word of God and the example that you have set before us. That, that through this process, whether now or when needed in the future, that we truly would be a group of believers who are standing firm in unity for the cause of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.